Hello, listeners. I'm finally moved in. It only took about hmm, five or six months. And now I'm in a place where I can record. Um, the move was hard, and it was about a 12-hour away move. And we stayed at my in-laws, and it was chaotic. But now I'm back. So enjoy the rest of the book of The Princess Diaries, Princess in the Spotlight. Wednesday, October 29th, 10 p.m. Okay, so I was just casually flipping through the channels, you know, taking a little study break and from, and all from thinking up a profound moment to write about in my English journal when all of a sudden I hit channel 67, one of the public access channels, and there was an episode of Lily's show, Lily Tells It Like It Is, that I have never seen before. Which was weird because Lily Tells It Like It Is is usually on Friday nights. Then I figured, since this Friday is Halloween, maybe Lily's show was being preempted for coverage of the parade in the village or something. So I'm sitting there watching the show and it turns out to be the slumber party episode. You know, the one we taped on Saturday with all the other girls confessing their French kissing exploits and me dropping the eggplant out the window. Only Lily had edited out any scenes showing my face. So, unless you knew Mia Thermopolis was the one in the pajamas with the strawberries all over them, you would have never known it was me. All in all, pretty tame stuff. Maybe some really puritanical moms would get upset about the French kissing, but there aren't too many of those in the five boroughs, which is the extent of the broadcast region. Then the camera did this funny skittering thing, and when the picture got clear again, it was this close-up of my face. That's right, my face. I was just lying on the floor with this pillow under my head, talking in this sleepy way. Then I remembered. At the slumber party, after everyone else had fallen asleep, Lily and I had stayed awake chatting. And it turned out she'd been filming me the whole time. I was lying there going, the thing I most want to do is Start a place for strays and abandoned animals. Like when I went to Rome once and there were about 80 million cats there roaming around the monuments. And they totally would have died if these nuns hadn't fed them on and stuff. So the first thing I think I'll do is I'll start a place where all the stray animals in Genovia will be taken care of. You know? And I'd never have any of them put to sleep unless they were really sick or something. And then there'll just be like all these dogs and cats and maybe some dolphins and ocelots. Lily's voice is embodied went, Are there ocelots in Genovia? I went, I hope so. Maybe not though. But whatever. Any animal that needs a home, they can come live there. And maybe I'll hire some seeing eye dog trainers. They can come and train all the dogs to be seeing eye dogs. And then we can give them away free to blind people who need them. And then we can take the cats to hospitals and old people's homes and let the patients pet them. Because that always makes people feel better. Except people like my grandmare, who hates cats. We can take dogs for them. Or maybe one of the ocelots. Lily's voice. 
And that's going to be your first act when you become the ruler of Genovia? I said sleepily. Yeah, I think so. Maybe we could just turn the whole castle into an animal shelter, you know? And like all the strays in Europe can come live here. Even those cats in Rome. Do you think your grandmare is going to like that? I mean, having all those stray cats around the castle? I said, she'll be dead by then, so who cares? Oh my God, I hope they don't have public access on the TVs up at the plaza. Lily asked me, what part of it do you hate the most? Being a princess, I mean. Oh, that's easy. Not being able to go to the deli to buy milk without having to call ahead and arrange for a bodyguard to escort me. Not being able to just come over and hang out with you without without it being this big production. This whole thing with my fingernails. I mean, who cares how my fingernails look, right? Why does it even matter? That kind of stuff. Lily went. Are you nervous? about your formal introduction to the people of Genovia in December. Well, not really nervous, just, I don't know, what if they don't like me? Like the ladies in waiting and stuff. I mean, nobody at the school likes me, so chances are nobody in Genovia will like me either. People at school like you, Lady said. Then right in front of the camera... I drifted off to sleep. Good thing I didn't drool or burst, snore. I wouldn't have been able to show my face at school tomorrow. Then these words floated up over the screen. Don't believe the hype. This is the real interview with the Princess of Genovia. As soon as it was over, I called Lily and asked her exactly what she thought she'd been doing. She just went in this infuriating superior voice. I just want people to be able to see the real me at Thermopolis. No, you don't, I said. You just want one of the networks to pick up on the interview and pay you lots of money for it. Yeah, Lily said, sounding wounded. How can you even think such a thing? She sounded so taken aback that I realized I must have been wrong about that one. Well... I said, you could have told me. Would you have agreed to it? Lily wanted to know. Well, I said, no, probably not. There you go, Lily said. I guess I don't come off as quite as much of a big-mouthed idiot in Lily's interview. I just come off as a wacko who has a thing for cats. I really don't know which one's worse. But... The truth is, I'm actually starting not to care. I wonder if this is what happens to celebrities. Like, maybe at first you really care what they say about you in the press, but after a while, you're just like, whatever. I do wonder if Michael saw this, and if so, what he thought of my pajamas. They are quite nice ones. Thursday, October 30th, English. Hank didn't come to school with me today. 
He called first thing this morning and said he wasn't feeling too well. I am not surprised. Last night, Mama and Papa called wanting to know where in Manhattan they could go for a New York strip. Since I do not generally frequent restaurants that serve meat, I asked Mr. Giannini for a suggestion, and he made a reservation at this semi-famous steak place. And then, in spite of my mother's strenuous objections, he insisted on taking Mama, Papa, and Hank and me out so he could get to know his future in-laws better. This was apparently too much for my mother. She actually got out of bed, put mascara and lipstick and a bra on, and went with us. I think it was mostly to guard against Mama driving Mr. G away with her many references to the number of family cars my mother accidentally rolled over in cornfields while she was learning how to drive. At the restaurant, I was horrified to report, in spite of increased risk of heart disease and some cancers to which saturated fats and cholesterols have scientifically been linked, my future stepfather, my cousin, and my maternal grandparents, not to mention Lars, whom, ha whom I had no idea was so fond of meat, and my mother, who attacked her steak like Rosemary attacked that raw chunk of ground brown in Rosemary's baby, which I've never actually seen, but I've heard about it, ingested what, I have to, what had to have been the equivalent of an entire cow. This distressed me very much, and I wanted to point out to them how unnecessary and unhealthy it is to eat things that were once alive and walking around. But, remembering my princess training, I merely concentrated on my entry of grilled vegetables and said nothing. Still, I am not all surprised Hank doesn't feel well. All that red meat is probably sitting completely undigested behind those washboard apps, even as we speak. I'm only assuming Hank has wash washboard apps, since thankfully I have not actually seen them. Interestingly, however, that was the one meal my mother had been able to keep down. This baby is no vegetarian, that's for sure. Anyway... The disappointment Hank's absence has generated here at Albert Einstein is palpable. Miss Molina saw me in the hall and asked sadly, uh, You don't need another guest pass for your cousin today? Hank's absence also apparently means that my special dispensation from the mean looks the cheerleaders have been giving me is revoked. This morning, Lana reached out and snapped the back of my bra and asked in her snootiest voice, what are you wearing a bra for? You don't need one. I long for a place where people treat each other with courtesy and respect. That unfortunately is not out my school. Maybe in Genovia or possibly that space station in the, Rus the Russians built, the one that's falling apart above our heads. Anyway, the only person who seemed happy about Hank's misfortune is Boris Polkowski. He was waiting for Lily by the front doors to the school when we arrived this morning. And as soon as he saw us, he asked, Where is Hank? Because of his thick Russian accent, that's the way he pronounces Hank, Hank's name. Honk. Hank, I'm, I mean, Hank is sick, I informed him. And it would not be exaggerating to say that the look that spread across Boris's uneven features was beatific. 
it was actually a little bit touching. Boris's dog-like devotion to Lily can be annoying, but I know that he really only feels that way about her. I, sorry, but I know that I only really feel that way about it because I am envious. I want a boy I can tell my deepest secrets to. I want a boy who will French kiss me. I want a boy who will be jealous if I spend too much time with another guy, even a total bohunk like Hank. But I guess we don't always get what we want, do we? It looks like all I'm going to get is a baby brother or sister and a stepfather who knows a lot about the quadriatic formula and who is moving in tomorrow with his foosball table. Oh, and the rule of the throne of a country someday. Big deal. I'd rather have a boyfriend. Thursday, October 30th. World Tip. Things to do before Mr. G moves in. Number one, vacuum. Two, clean out cat box. Three, drop off laundry. Four, take out recycling, especially any of mom's magazines that refers to orgasms on the cover. Very important. Five, Remove feminine hygiene products from all bathrooms. Six, clear out space in living room for foosball table slash pinball machine slash large TV. Seven, check medicine cabinet. Hide Mido, Nair, Jolene. Very important. Eight, remove our bodies, ourselves, and the joy of sex from mom's bookshelves. Nine, call cable company. Get classic sports network added. Remove romance channel. 10. Get mom to stop hanging bras on bedroom doorknobs. 11. Stop biting off fake fingernails. 12. Stop thinking so much about MM. 13. Fix lock on bathroom door. 14. Toilet paper. Thursday, October 30th, GNT. I don't believe this. They've done it again. Hank and Lily have disappeared. Again. I didn't even know about the Hank part until Lars got a call on his cell phone from my mother. She was very annoyed because her mother had called her at the studio, screaming hysterically because Hank was missing from his hotel room. Mom wanted to know if Hank had shown up at school, which, to the best of my knowledge, he had not. Then Lily didn't show up for lunch. She wasn't even subtle about it either. We were doing the presidential fitness exam in PE, and just as it was her turn to climb the rope, Lily started complaining that she had cramps. Since Lily complains that she has cramps every single time the presidential fitness exam rolls around, I wasn't suspicious. Mrs. Potts sent Lily to the nurse's office, and I figured I'd see her at lunch, miraculously recovered. But then she didn't show up for her lunch. A consultation with her nurse revealed that Lily's cramps had been of such severity she decided to go home for the rest of the day. Cramps. I am so sure. Lily doesn't have cramps. What she has is the hots for my cousin. The real question is, how long can we keep this from Boris? Remembering the malheur we'd been subjected to yesterday? Everyone is being careful not to remark how coincidentally it is that Lily is sick 
and hand keys missing in action at the same time. Nobody wants to have to resort to the gym mats again. Those things were heavy. As a precaution, Michael is trying to keep Boris busy with a computer game he invented called Decapitate the Backstreet Boys. In it, you get to hurl knives and axes at st and stuff at the members of the Backstreet Boys. The person who cuts off the head of the most Backstreet Boys moves up to another level, where he gets to cut off the heads of the boys of in 98 degrees, then in sync, etc. The player who cuts off the most heads gets to carve his initials on Ricky Martin's naked chest. I can't believe Michael only got a B on this game in his computer class. But the teacher took points off because he felt it wasn't violent enough for today's market. Mrs. Hill is letting us talk today. I know it's because she doesn't want, want us to have to listen to Boris play Mahler. Or worse, Wagner. I went up to Mrs. Hill after class yesterday and apologized for what I said on TV about her always being in the teacher's lounge, even though it was the truth. She said not to worry about it. I'm pretty sure this is because my dad sent her a DVD player along with a big bunch of flowers the day after the interview was broadcasted. She's been a lot nicer to me since then. You know, I find all of this stuff about Lily and Hank very difficult to process. I mean, Lily, of all people, turning out to be such a slave to lust? Because she can't genuinely be in love with Hank. He's a nice enough guy and all, and very good looking, but let's face it, his elevator does not go all the way up. Lily, on the other hand, belongs to Mensa, or at least she could if she did, didn't think it hopelessly bourgeois. Plus, Lily isn't exactly what you'd call a traditional beauty. I mean, I think she's pretty. But according to today's admittedly limited idea of what quote-unquote attractive is, Lily doesn't really pass muster. She's much shorter than me and kind of chunky, and she has that sort of squished-in face. Not really the type you'd expect a guy like Hank to fall for. So what do a girl like Lily and a guy like Hank have in common anyway? Oh, God. Don't answer that. Homework. Algebra. Page 123. Problems 1, 1 through 5, and 7. English. In your journal, describe one day in your life. Don't forget profound moments. World Civ. Answer questions at the end of Chapter 10. GNT. Bring $1 on Monday for earplugs. French. Une description d'une personne. Tend the mots minimum. Biology. Kenny says not to worry. He'll do it for me. Thursday, October 30th, 7 p.m. Limo. Back to the loft. Another huge shock. If my life continues along this roller coaster course, I may have to seek professional counseling. When I walked in from for my princess lessons, there was Mama. Mama sitting on one of Grandmare's tiny pink couches, sipping tea. Oh, she's always like that, Mama was saying, stubborn as a mule. I was sure they were talking about me. I threw down my book back and went, I am not. Grandmare was sitting on the couch opposite Mama, a teacup and saucer poised in her hand. 
In the background, Vigo is running around like a little wound-up toy, answering the phone and saying things like, No, the orange blossoms are for the wedding party. The roses are for the centerpieces and... But of course the lamb chops were meant to be appetizers. What kind of way is that to enter a room? Grandmere barked at me in French. A princess never interrupts her elders. And she certainly never throws things. Now come here and greet me properly. I went over and gave her a kiss on both cheeks, even though I didn't want to. Then I went over to Mama and did the same thing. Mama giggled and went, How continental! Grandmere said, Now sit down and offer your grandmother a madeleine. I sat down to show how unstubborn I can be and offered Mama a madeleine from the plate on the table in front of her, the way Grandmere had shown me to. Mama giggled again and took one of the cookies. She kept her pinky in the air as she did so. What thanks, hon, she said. Now, Grandmere said in English, where were we, Shirley? Mama said, oh, yes. Well, as I was saying, she's always been that way, just stubborn as the day is long. I'm not surprised she dug her heels in about this wedding. Not surprised at all. Hey, it wasn't me they were talking about after all. It was, I mean, I can't tell you we were thrilled when this happened the first time. Of course, Helen never mentioned he was a prince. If we had known, we'd have encouraged her to marry him. Understandably, Grandmere murmured. But this time, Mama said, well, we just couldn't be more thrilled. Frank is a real doll. Then we are agreed. Grandmere said, this wedding must and will take place. Oh, definitely, Mama said. I have expected them to spit in their hand and shake on it. An old Hoosier cost, cost, custom I learned from Hank. But instead, they each took a sip of their tea. I was pretty sure nobody wanted to hear from me, but I clear my throat anyway. Amelia... Grandmere said in French, Don't even think about it. Too late, I said. Mom doesn't want Vigo, Grandmere called. Do you have those shoes? The one that matched the princess's dress. Like magic, Vigo appeared, carrying the prettiest pair of pink satin slippers I have ever seen. They had rosettes on the toes that matched the ones on my maid of honor dress. Aren't they lovely, Vigo said, as he showed them to me. Don't you want to try them on? It was cruel. It was underhanded. It was Grandmere all over. But what could I do? I couldn't resist. The shoes fit perfectly and looked, I have to admit it, gorgeous on me. They gave my ski-like feet the appearance of being a size smaller, maybe even two sizes. I couldn't wait to wear them. And the dress, too. Maybe if the wedding was called off, I could wear them to the prom. If things worked out with Josie Rocks, I mean. 
It would be a shame to have to send them back, Grandmere said with a sigh, because your mother is being so stubborn. Then again, maybe not. Couldn't I keep them for another occasion? I asked. Hint, hint. Oh, no, Grandmere said. Pink is so inappropriate for anything but a wedding. Why me? When my lesson was over, apparently today's consisted of sitting there listening to my two grandmothers complain about how their children and grandchildren don't appreciate them. Grandmare stood up and said to Mama, So, we understand each other, surely? And Mama said, Oh, yes, your highness. This sounded very ominous to me. In fact, the more I think about it, the more convinced I am that my dad hasn't done a single solitary thing to bail mom out of what is clearly going to be a very messy situation. According to Grandmare, a limo is going to swing by our place tomorrow evening to pick me up, mom and Mr. Giannini, and whisk us off to the plaza. It's going to be pretty obvious to everyone when my mom refuses to get into the car that there isn't going to be any wedding. I think I am going to have to take matters into my own hands. I know Dad assured me that everything is under control, but we're talking Grandmare. Grandmare. Doing the ride downtown, I tried pumping Mama for information. You know, about what she and Grandmare meant when they said they, quote-unquote, understood one another. But she wouldn't tell me a thing, except that she and Papa were too tired, what with all the sightseeing they've been doing, not to mention worrying about Hank, whom they still hadn't heard from, to go out for dinner tonight, and we're going to stay in and order room service. Which is just as well, because I'm pretty sure if I have to hear one more person say the word medium rare, I might hurl. More Thursday, October 30th. 9 p.m. Well, Mr. Giannini's all moved in. I have already played nine games of foosball. Boy, are my wrists tired. It's not really weird having him here on a permanent basis, because he was always hanging around before, anyway. The only difference is really the big TV, the pinball machine, the foosball table, and the drum set in the corner where we normally keep Mom's life-size metallic gold bust of Elvis. But the coolest thing is this pinball machine. It's called Motorcycle Gang, and it has all these very realistic drawings of tattooed, leather-wearing Hell's Angels on it. Also, it has a picture of the Hell's Angels' girlfriends, who don't have very much clothing on at all, bending over and sticking out their eno enormous bosoms. When you think of all... The pinball machine makes the noise of a motorcycle engine revving really loudly. My mother took one look at it and just stood there, shaking her head. I know it's misogynistic and sexist at all, but it's also really, really neat. Mr. Giannini told me today that he thought it would be all right for me to call him Frank now, considering the fact that we are pra practically related. I just can't bring myself to do it. So I just call him, hey. I go, hey, can you pass the Parmesan? And he's like, and he's, and hey, have you seen the remote control? See, 
No names needed. Pretty clever, huh? Of course, it hasn't exactly been smooth sailing. There's the small fact that tomorrow there's supposedly going to be this huge celebrity wedding that I know has not been cancelled, and that I also know my mother still hasn't the slightest intention of attending. But when I ask her about it, instead of freaking out, my mom just smiles all secretively and says, Don't worry about it, Mia. But how can I help worrying about it? The only thing that is definitely off is my mom and Mr. G's trip to the courthouse. I asked if they still wanted me to come dressed as the Empire State Building, thinking I should probably start working on my costume and all. And my mom just got this furtive look in her eye and said, Why don't we just hold off on that? I could kind of tell he didn't want to talk about it, so I climbed up and went and called Lily. I figured it was about time she gave me some explanation as just to what is going on here. But when I called her, the line was busy, which meant there was a good chance Lily or Michael was online. I took a gamble and instant messaged Lily. She wrote back right away. Fat Lily, Lily, just where did you and Hank disappear to today? And don't lie and say you weren't together. Women rule. I fail to see what business it is of yours. Fat Louis. Well, let's just say that if you want to hang on to your boyfriend, you better come up with a good explanation. Women rule. I have a very good explanation, but I am not likely to share it with you. You'll just blab it to Beverly Bellarive. Oh, and 22 million viewers. Fat Louis. That is so totally unfair. Look, Lily, I'm worried about you. It isn't like you to skip school. What about your book about high school society? You may have missed out on some valuable material for it. Women rule. Oh, really? Did something happen today worth recording? Fat Louis. Well, some of the seniors snuck into the teacher's lounge and put a fetal pig in the mini fridge. Women rule. Gosh, I'm so sorry I missed that. Is there anything else, Mia? Because I'm trying to research something on the web right now. Yes, there was something else. Didn't she know how wrong it is to be seeing two boys at the same time? Especially when some of us don't even have one boy? Couldn't she see how selfish and mean-spirited that was? But I didn't write that. Instead, I wrote, Fat Louis. Well, Boris was pretty upset, Lily. I mean, he totally suspects something. Women rule. Boris has got to learn that in a loving relationship, it is important to establish bonds of trust. That is something you might keep in your mind, in mind yourself, Mia. I realize, of course, that Lily is talking about, about our relationship, hers and mine. But if you think about it, it applies to more than just Lily and Boris and Lily and me. It applies to me and my dad, too, and me and my mom, and me and, well, just about everybody. Was this, I wonder, a profound moment? Should I get out my English journal? It was right after this that it happened. I got instant message by someone else. By Josie Rocks himself. Josie Rocks. So, are you going to Rocky Horror tomorrow? Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Josie Rocks is going to Rocky Horror tomorrow. And so is Michael. Really? 
There is only one logical explanation that can be drawn from this. Josie Rocks is Michael. Michael is Josie Rocks. He has to be. He just has to be. Right? I didn't know what to do. I wanted to jump from my computer and run around my room and scream and laugh at the same time. Instead, and I don't know where I got the presence of mind to do this, I wrote back, Fat Louie. I hope so. I can't believe it. I really can't believe it. Michael is Josie Rocks, right? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Friday, October 31st. Homeroom. I woke up with the strangest feeling of foreboarding. I couldn't figure out why for a few minutes. I lay there in bed, listening to the rain patter against my window. Pat Louie was at the end of my bed, needing the comforter and purring very loudly. Then I remembered. Today, according to my grandmother, is the day my pregnant mother is supposed to marry my algebra teacher in a huge ceremony at the Plaza Hotel with musical accompaniment courtesy of John Tesh. I lay there for a minute, wishing my temperature was 102 again, so I wouldn't have to get out of bed and face what was sure to be a day of drama and hurt feelings. And then I remember my email from the night before and jumped right out of bed. Michael is my secret admirer. Michael is Josie Rocks. And with any luck, by the end of the night, he'll have admitted it to my face. Friday, October 31st. Algebra. Mr. Giannini is not here today. Instead, we have a substitute teacher named Mrs. Grakowski. It's very strange that Mr. G isn't here because he was certainly in the loft this morning. We played a game of foosball before Lars showed up in the limo. We even offered Mr. G a ride to school, but he said he was coming in later. Really later, it looks like. A lot of people aren't here today. Actually, Michael, for instance, didn't catch a ride with us this morning. Lily says that it's because he had a last-minute problem printing out a paper that it's due today. But I wonder if it's really because he's too scared to face me after admitting that he is Josie Rocks. Well, not that he actually admitted it, but he sort of did. Didn't he? Mr. Howell is three times as old as Jillian. The difference in their age is 48. How old are Mr. Howell and Jillian? T equals Jillian. 3T equals Mr. Howell. 3T minus T equals 48. 2T equals 48. T equals 24. Oh, Mr. G, where are you? Friday, October 31st, GNT. Okay, I will never underestimate Lily Moskovitz again. Nor will I suspect her of having anything but the most altruistic motives. This I hereby solemnly swear in writing. It was at lunch when it happened. We were all sitting there, me, my bodyguard, Tina Hakim Baba and her bodyguard, Lily, Boris, Shamika and Ling Su. Michael, of course, sits over with the rest of the computer club, so he wasn't there. But everyone else that mattered was. Shamika was reading aloud to us from some of the brochures her father had gotten from girls' schools in New Hampshire. Each one filled Shamika with more terror 
and me with more shame for ever having opened up my big mouth in the first place. Suddenly, a shadow fell over our little table. We looked up. There stood an apparition in such godlike statue that, for a minute, I think even Lily believed the chosen people's long-lost messiah had finally shown up. It turned out it was only Hank, but Hank was looking as I had certainly never seen him before. He had on black cashmere sweater beneath a clinging black leather coat and black jeans and seemed to go on and on over his long, lean legs. His golden hair had been expertly styled and cut, and I swear he looked so much like Keanu Reeves in The Matrix that I actually might have believed he had wandered off the set if it hadn't been for the fact that on his feet he wore cowboy boots. Black expensive looking ones but cowboy boots just the same i don't think it was my imagination that the entire crowd inside the cafeteria seemed to gasp as hank slid into a chair at our table the reject table i have frequently heard it being called hello mia hank said i stared at him it wasn't just the clothes there was something different about him his voice seemed deeper somehow and he smelled good. So, Lily said to him, as she scooped a glob of creamy feeling out of her ringding, how'd it go? Well, Hank said in that seeing deep voice, you're looking at Calvin Klein's newest underwear model. Lily sucked a filling off her finger. Hmm, she said with her mouth full. Good for you. I owe it all to you, Lily, Hank said. If it weren't for you, they would have never signed me. Then it hit me. The reason Hank seemed so different was that his hoosier drawl was gone. Now, Hank, Lily said, we discussed this. It's your natural ability that got you where you are. I just gave you a few pointers. When Hank turned his gaze towards me, I saw that his blue eyes were damp. Your friend, Lily, he said has done something no one's ever done for me in my life. I threw an acu accusing gaze at Lily. I knew it. I knew they'd had sex. But then Hank said, She believed in me. Mia, it believed in me enough to help me pursue my dream. A dream I've had since I was a very young boy. A lot of people, including my own mama and pa, I mean my grandparents, told me it was a pipe dream. They told me to give it up, that it would never happen. But when I told my dream to Lily, she held out her hand. Hank held out his hand to illustrate this. And all of us, me, Lars, Tina, Tina's bodyguard, Wahin, Shamika, and Lingsu, looked at a hand, the nails of which have been perfectly manicured, and said, Come with me, Hank. I'll help you achieve your dream. Hank put his hand down. And you know what? All of us, except Lily, who weren't right on eating, were so astonished we could only stare. Hank did not wait for us to reply, and he said, It happened. Today it happened. My dream came true. I was signed by Ford. I am their newest male model. We all blinked at him. And I owe it all, Hank said. This woman here. 
Then something really shocking happened. Hank got up out of his chair, walked over to where Lily was sitting, innocently finishing her ring ding, not suspecting a thing, and pulled her to a standing position. Then as everyone in the entire cafeteria looked on, including, I noticed Lana Weinberger and her cronies over at the cheerleaders' table, my cousin Han laid such a kiss on Lenny Moskowitz, I thought he just might suck that ring ding right back up. When he was done kissing her, Hank let go. And Lily, looking as if someone had just poked her with an electric rod, sank slowly back down to her seat. Hank adjusted the lapels of his leather cord, coat and turned to me. Mia, he said, tell Mama and Papa they're going to have to find somebody to cover for my shift at the hardware store. I ain't, I mean, I'm not going back to Versailles. Ever. And with that, he strolled off from our cafeteria like a cowboy walking away from a gunfight he'd just won. Or, I suppose I should say he started to stride from the cafeteria. Unfortunately for Hank, he didn't make it out quite fast enough. Because one of the people who had observed that searing kiss he'd laid on Lily was none other than Boris Polkowski. And it was Boris Polkowski, not Boris Polkowski with his retainer and sweater tucked into his pants, who stood up and said, Not so fast, hot shot. I'm not sure if Boris had just seen the movie Top Gun or what, but that hot shot came out sounding pretty menacing, considering Boris's accent and all. Hank kept going. I don't know if he hadn't heard Boris or if he wasn't about to let some little violin playing genius mess up his hair. Then Boris did something completely reckless. He reached out and grabbed Hank by the arm as he went by and said, That's my girl you had your lips all over, pretty boy. I am not even joking. Those were his exact words. Oh, how my heart thrilled to hear them. If only some guy, okay, Michael, would say something like that about me. Not the josiest girl he'd ever met, but... His girl. Boris had actually referred to Lily as his girl. No boy has ever referred to me as his girl. Oh, I know all about feminism and how women aren't property and it's sexist to go around claiming them as such, but oh, only somebody, okay, Michael, would, oh, would say I was his girl. Anyway, Hank just went, huh? And then, from out of nowhere, Boris's fist went sailing into Hans' face. Pow! Only, it didn't really sound like pow. It sounded more like a thud. There was a sickening crunch of bones splintering. All of us girls gasped, thinking that Boris had marred Hank's perfect cover guy face. But we needn't have worried. It was Boris's hand that made the crunching sound, not Hank's face. Hank escaped completely unscathed. Boris is the one who had to have his knuckles splintered. And you know what that means? No more Mahler. Woohoo! It's unprincess-like of me, however, to gloat over another's misfortune. All right, and um, we have about one more installment of uh, this book, of The Princess Diaries, Princess in the Spotlight. Uh, before 
we start a new book. Um, I would like to apologize because I have finally moved and now my room is in the basement where I record instead of upstairs, which means my children and my, just like that, my children and my dogs are running around. Um, so thank you for your patience and I hope you guys enjoy this. Have a good day or night, wherever it is that you're, whenever it is that you're listening.